Well, it's uh, so good to see all your beautiful faces here today. You know, we're, we're, I believe we're in a season of healing and recovery. I, I, just so many good reports. Uh, of course, many are recovering from COVID, and that's been a positive thing. And, uh, you know, uh, I, saw, I saw a meme recently that showed, it wasn't graphic or anything, but it was a, obviously a woman giving birth. And it, and it said, uh, the, the, it said, this is what it's like when your husband has a fever. <laughs> so, so we guys uh, are not too tough. <laughs> you know, that's where you lose all your authority as a man. And when the wife has a child, that you're done. Because you will never, ever do anything that difficult in your life. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, I visited with uh, Mar- Marion Furman last night in their home and had a great visit with her. And, you know, she uh, was diagnosed with cancer in her femur the other day. And uh, she had had a brain tumor a couple of years ago, which wasn't cancerous, so they're not related. But we were really praying for her, and, and, and uh, they did operate. They took it out. And the good news is the bo- whole body scan came back completely clean. So no cancer anywhere else that they can see. And, and the, the cancer was staged at a level one, which is as low as you can get. So she's got a long road to recovery, about a three-month recovery, because uh, they removed the bone and they replaced it and all that stuff. And so she's got a long road of recovery, still in some pain. But pray very, uh, J- Judy Colbreth was in the hospital recently, and uh, kidneys weren't functioning, and they started functioning again, right? Uh, how's she doing, Jerry? She's back in the hospital? Okay, well, let's pray for Judy, our friend Judy, who's uh, suffering still today. So, But um, believing for healing for her. Well, let's get into the Word today. And our last message in the sermon series, Experiencing God. Now, we're going to be doing some more worship today, so I want to prepare you for that. We're not done. Um, I want to talk about experiencing God through praise and worship. And I'm really going to talk about um, your, your posture physical posture. Praise and worship is a physical activity as well as an activity of the heart. Uh, you know, we often talk about, we often talk about um, our bodies following our heart, our, act, our actions follow our heart, well, you, but you know, your heart also follows your actions. And um, you know that if you, anybody who's uh, who, who, uh, who exercises physically, or you go to the gym, or you run, or whatever you do, uh, or you just get up and move around. You know m- motion creates emotion. You know that. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to go to Psalms, starting Psalms 100, uh, verse 1. Shout to the Lord, or shout for the Lord, shout for joy to the Lord, I'm sorry. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I'm going to go just read a couple more verses. I could read a dozen, but I'll just read a couple more that talk about posture of, the posture of praise. Uh, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. And then we jump over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, I desire that, then, that in every place the, the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. 
So I want to talk to you about engaging your hearts and your bodies to experience God and welcome his presence into our midst. Uh, some, of you, some of you will try to dodge uh, this message uh, by narrowing your definition, definition of worship. You know, you, you, will, you will go, well, I, I give in the offering. I give a lot in the offering. <laughs> and we, were, we appreciate that. That is an act of worship. Uh, or, or, uh, or I serve in the nursery. Or I, I serve in BCC Kids. Or I serve in the happy place. Um, and God knows that's my worship. I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just reserved. I'm just, I'm just shy. I'm just an introvert. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's like saying to your spouse... Uh, who, you know, if you never show affection, you never say I love you, you never, you never uh, show physical affection, never hold their hand, or you never give them embrace or any of that, and they, they complain about it, and you say, well, I took out the trash. <laughs> you know, I, I go to work every day. You know, I, I pay the bills. It doesn't, it doesn't, so don't, Try not to dodge this. And, and don't worry, we're not going to encourage physical fanaticism or, or public, uh, uh, you know, cultic-looking uh, uh, frenzy. Uh, I, and I understand why, why some of us, especially, and I'm going to talk to you church veterans in a little while. I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to offend you in a little bit. Just brace yourself. Uh, uh, but especially when you've been around here a while and you've been around the church for a while, you, you have seen people who, who use the, seem to, who knows their hearts, but praise and worship is a display of their flesh. You know, a friend, a friend of mine had a group of people and, and, uh, who, uh, who would actually dance before the Lord during the service, and he was okay with that. But they would come out of their seats and they would gather across the front and start dancing in front of everybody and it was for, you know, for visitors and stuff and people who'd never been in a church like, like uh, a church like ours. It was, it was a cringe moment. <laughs> and so he went to these people. He said, listen, I, I don't have a problem with you dancing for the Lord, but would you stay in the back and dance? And, <laughs> and they, they, they didn't say anything. They didn't respond, but they quit dancing. They never danced. They only wanted to dance if they could dance up in front of all the people. So there are... Now, some of you can't relate to that. You're so shy and introverted, you just like, you don't, people like that are from another planet who would want to dance in front of people at church. At, at, the, par, at the bar, you totally get it, but church, you don't get it. So, uh, no, no, we, we understand. We understand. We're not, I, I'm not trying to, to turn you into someone else or make you look like some, some foolish fanatic. No, we're not talking about, we're, we're talking about body language. The message sent by your posture that guides your heart but also sends a message. You know, all the studies on communication confirm that communication is over 90% nonverbal. And this is crystal clear, and it's a it's, uh, it's neglected piece of information. And that 90% figure, by the way, wasn't plucked out of thin air. It was uh, Albert Maharabin, who's a, a psychologist, a researcher of body language, who first broke down the components of face-to-face -face conversation and found that communication is 55% uh, uh, 
uh, nonverbal. It's 38% vocal and 7% words. That's where they get the... That's where they, so it's the, the, the posture of the body, your, your vocal tone, and the words that you use uh, and the meaning that they carry. So that's, that's like 93%. So 93% of your communication is not verbal. It's nonverbal. Um, <clears throat> only recently I read a, a part of a wedding vow in which the bride and groom said these words. With my body, I the honor. With my body, I will adore you. And your body alone will I cherish. I will with my body declare your worth. I think, I think the church needs to recover a theology of the body. Because the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That, that is an amazing thought. Think about that. Think about the Bible saying that your body is inhabited by God himself. And it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, normally we think of our body pastor being a reflection of our hearts, as I said a moment ago, but I want to talk to you today about po the possibility that you can lead your heart with the actions of your body. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a disciple of Tony Robbins or anything, but, the, but sometimes he says some stuff that's pretty, pretty profound. And I recently read <clears throat> th th this quote, which is absolute truth, and it's just so well said. I wonder, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. He said, bad physiology reinforces negative feelings. Physiology, that's, that's your posture, that's your body. As motion creates emotion, change your physiology means changing your mental state and breaking your negative patterns. <clears throat> great physiology, therefore, leads to great emotions, and that is one of the keys to getting unstuck. Foster a positive mental state and get unstuck by changing your physiology. Talking about posture. This can be something as simple as standing up straighter and changing your posture, or something more intensive like going on a jog to loosen up. So, today we're going to talk about for the next few moments the posture of praise. Now, first of all, the posture of praise. I'm going to give you five things, five things that the posture of praise reflects. The posture of praise, by the way, sitting reverently is, is also a posture of praise. So I don't, I don't want to negate that, the setting reverently. But if you sit reverently for too long, we might suspect you're not alive. So I just want to tell you that. That, that, that setting, oh, oh, thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. So setting too reverently is, is, is uh, actually, uh, 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 it is an uh, activity of, um, of cadavers. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you have to move, and, and you, know, you, you respond, right? You, you, what would you think if you went to Gillette Stadium and watched the game, or you went to, uh, to uh, I don't know what they call it now, TD, it used to be TD Bank North, if you went to see the Celtics and, and everybody was just reverent, the whole evening, <laughs> you would say, this is not a very good fan base. And how many of you are a fan of Jesus? Amen. Are you a fan of Jesus? I'm a fan of Jesus. So the posture of praise, number one, reflects surrender. Uh, after Israel, you know, for a generation, they had stubbornly refused to honor God. They had repeatedly defied God in spite of repeated warnings and appeals from God. And as a result of their obstinance, God allowed them to be attacked, pillaged, 
and taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years of captivity, they returned and started rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And later they would rebuild the temple. And they would begin to rebuild the city that had been destroyed. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra, the scribe and spiritual leader, uh, gathered the people together in Jerusalem. And I, I want you to see how their posture before God had changed. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 5. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, that was the book of the law, they rose to their feet. Notice the body language. They rose to their feet. That, that's a sign of respect. They rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God of heaven. And all the people chanted, Amen, Amen. They raised their voices. And they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So the, their posture their posture reflected changed hearts. See, the posture of praise says, I'm yours, Lord. I trust you. Do with me as you please. When you, when, when, when you feel that you want God to do as he pleases with you, you have an open posture. Oh, you know, we, we, we understand this. We understand, uh, we understand that uh, posture is, is so important. We, we, we understand that uh, uh, it has meaning. A clenched fist has meaning. Uh, folded arms have meaning. Um, uh, 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 waving your arms has meaning when you speak. And, 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 and uh, it has meaning. Uh, and uh, a motion like that has meaning. It means stop. It means don't, don't come any further. Don't come any closer to me. Gesture like this means come closer to me. This has... Let's have... You know, uh, my brother right here, Jeff. You can't go. I can't get around Jeff without a hug. He says, he says, bring it in, brother, brother, bring it in, and it feels great. It's a reflection of his heart, and 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 if it's not a reflection of his heart, he's 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 training his heart. He's training his heart as well as reflecting his heart. It's so important. We we all know it. We all know. We we all actually judge each other by our posture. We we judge one another. You know, if, uh, if uh, you, I don't know how many school teachers we have in the room, but you know uh, when you have a student who's slipped down to their third vertebra and looking up at the ceiling, you are not communicating to them. And how many of you had this experience as a child? Your mother said to you, don't roll your eyes at me. No. <laughs> you think... It communicates everything, to, it does it when they roll their eyes. In fact, in fact, researchers tell us that rolling the eyes is one of the most um, um, co uh, co confrontational, aggressive gestures in, in the human body language, is to roll the eyes. Yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> So Ezra and the people of Israel, they stood, they raised their hands, and they said to God with every part of their being, we're sorry, Lord, we repent. Secondly, the posture of praise reflects vulnerability. David said, my Lord, Lord my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I'm not rolling my eyes at you. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. And then 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 is an amazing verse, and I'm going to read from a different version because it's more consistent with the Greek language. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with open and honest speech in order to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, the King James Bible and other versions say to enter the throne room with boldness, but that's not the best translation of that word. The word, the Greek word parisha was used to describe the complete openness and frankness of speech that the Greeks would have in the marketplace where they were called to speak about political issues. You know, democracy was invented in Greek culture. And so the marketplace, they would encourage everyone to come. And, and, and it's called, you will hear people talk about the Socratic method. Well, the Socratic method is everyone comes and discusses openly, and there's freedom of speech, and we reach, we reach consensus and conclusion by open discussion about matters. And, and that's, what, that's what the writer of Hebrews was thinking about when he said, I want you to come into God's presence and, and, and just, just blurt out whatever's occupying your conscious mind, whatever you think, however you feel. So praise and worship is not only saying, God, we love you and we thank you, which it is that, but it's also telling God about your suffering and your pain and your heartache and everything that's going on in your life. Whatever occupies your conscious mind should be verbalized to your, God, to your heavenly Father and because praise and worship and the posture of praise reflects and must reflect vulnerability. Let me remind you as I said earlier, that communication is only 7% verbal. So we, we, we want to communicate this with our body language, this vulnerability and openness to God. And for, for many reasons, and I, I, don't want to, I don't want to create an environment where we're always criticizing each other, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 not saying it maybe, but look around the room, and because somebody is not... Uh, don't have, don't have their hands raised. I've been in environments like that where if you didn't have your hands raised or you weren't, you weren't uh, jumping up and down, people would judge you as being unspiritual. We don't want that environment. That's not, that's not what we want to, to have at all. Uh, and, and, I, and I suppose this is not an easy thing to manage. But, but we don't want, I don't want to be the pastor who stands on the stage and determines who is spiritual and who is not merely by body language. Now, this is not about that. This is not about judging you. This is about you entering in. This is, about you, this is about you experiencing God. It's not about the church judging your spirituality by your body language, but it's about whether or not you experience God. And, and when I, 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 have, I must admit, when I see people who Sunday after Sunday, they're like rocks in the, in the seats, I worry that they're not experiencing God. I worry that, that the heart is being reflected by the posture. I worry about that. And, and so, just let me f worry about that, okay? I'm not judging you, though. You have, to, you have to answer to God, not me. Thirdly, the posture of praise reflects dependence. I want my posture to convey that I need his help, because I do. I, 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 I want my posture to confess my utter dependence on God for everything. I, I cry out, oh God, I entrust my life to you. If you don't take me and hold me and uplift me, I will surely sink into the abyss of sin and death. I rely on your strength alone. Preserve me. Sustain me. I want to be that. You've seen a little child, and I see it in my grandchildren when they're, when they're really small, and my own children when they were really small, is they would stand in front of you, 
uh, I, I watch it with a little anchor who runs around here now is going to the adult <laughs> and rip, lifting his hands, saying, pick me up. I want you to pick me up. I'm tired. Of, <laughs> do, do, you ever, do you ever do that to God? Do you ever go to your Heavenly Father and say, pick me up? Pick me up. I need you to lift me up. I need you to, I need you to take me to a higher place right now. I'm tired. My, my, my spirit's tired. My body's tired. The Bible says these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And the first one, I'm not going to read the rest of them, a proud look. The most outstanding manifestation of humility is utter and complete dependence on God. First Kings chapter 8, verse 22, then Solomon stood before the altar. And here's Solomon. Here's Solomon, the, the, uh, uh, the, the son of David, who's been given the kingdom. And earlier, if you see his, his, his words to God, he said, God, I'm a child. And when he was asked, whatever you want, I will give it to you. And God said, what would you like from me? He, he did not ask for riches or wealth or fame. He asked for wisdom. And, and, and he reflects that with his body language. If you go on in the rest of the chapter down to verse 22, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God. Of... Notice what he did. He, he spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Um, I have uh, spent my life in church and I started I actually traveled for uh, about a decade all over the United States preaching and doing music in churches and uh, I even had a couple of trips to Europe and uh, a little bit in the Caribbean so I've seen a lot of churches and a lot of people and, and I, I want to talk to you leaders right now, and you veterans. Some of you are leaders by position, some of you are leaders by personality, and some of you are leaders by both, position and personality. And I have no, I have no illusion that in many respects I lead the church. Uh, every church has leaders. Like I said, some by personality, some by position, some by both. I have noticed through my many, many years of standing up here and looking out there, I have noticed that veteran church people have a tendency to develop the uh, God has me in control look. I, I used to go to church to preach, and I could tell who the power brokers were because they always stayed in the back. And they observed what everyone else was doing. They would observe the worship. Sometimes they would even have this posture. You know, and, and I would learn later, they're the deacons, the elders, the members of the board. They were this, that, the royal ranger leaders. And uh, Listen. Leaders, I beg you to change your posture. So it reflects dependence and not control. 
the new believer cannot rise above your level of worship and engagement with God. I'm telling you, veterans, church leaders, the new people, and here's what happens, here's what happens in churches. The new people come down front, and they enter in. But then as they grow, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a casualty of spiritual aging. A casualty of spiritual aging is you move back and you become an observer. A casualty of spiritual aging is that uh, you develop a familiarity with God. You develop a familiarity with God so it's not fresh and new to you anymore. And it's, you can even suffer from spiritual old age and spiritual senility. And we, I'm challenging the leaders of this church that we must become the worship leaders. We must become the praise and worship leaders when we come, when we gather on Sunday morning. And don't put that burden on the new people who don't know yet that you're supposed to be cool in church. All right? And I understand some of you need to be in the back because you have responsibilities back there. But if you don't need to be in the back, I want you to consider moving up to the front row. Okay? I told you I was going to offend you. That's it. And I don't apologize. (laughs) I don't believe your lack of praise posture comes from arrogance, by the way, but a feeling of responsibility and familiarity with God. So look. Losing your worship posture, like I said, is a casualty of spiritual aging. You younger people in Christ, don't get old spiritually. Stay young spiritually. Stay children. Except you become a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. I don't know very many inhibited children. And some are shyer than others, I understand, but... Even the shy ones will blurt all kinds of stuff out. (laughs) Number four, the posture of praise reflects receptivity. I want my posture to communicate that that I'm happily and expectantly waiting to receive a gift. I declare to the Lord, Father, I, I gratefully embrace all you want to give me. What have you got for me, Lord? I'm, I'm a spiritual beggar. This is what blessed in the poor in spirit in the Beatitudes means. It means that you see yourself as a spiritual beggar. Imagine, imagine in a third world country, people lining up to receive the ration of rice, and they've got those tin cups, and they're banging them. They're banging them as they stand in line. They are begging for a little bit of rice. That's what I want to be with the Lord. I want to be a beggar. Begging and understanding that spiritually I have nothing. Spiritually I am poor. Spiritually I am broken. I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace. I have nothing to offer God. But he has everything to offer me. I have nothing to offer him. So glorify yourself by satisfying me. Holy Lord, that's what I want to pray. So I lift my hands in worship like one who aspires to direct attention away from myself to the glory of the Savior. Oh God, yours is the glory. Yours is the power. Yours is the majesty alone. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. That's the way you should see yourself spiritually. I'm, spiritually I'm full of leprosy. I'm full of sin. He saw Jesus and he fell on his face. He didn't go. 
Why don't you heal me, Jesus? You got what it takes? No. He fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Finally, I want to close with this. The posture of praise reflects mutual adoration. You know, I believe... I, I believe our response to performers and celebrities, whether it be in the field of art or athletics or, or, or even uh, philosophers, I believe our response to them, while it can be idolatrous, I, I will agree, I believe it's a divinely implanted impulse. You know how we gather in stadiums and in, in, in auditoriums and in front of our TV set and to concert halls, and there's something, there's something happens to you, right, in that environment. You, your, your hands start going up, and, you, and you, start, you start coming out with these one-word exclamations, yes! <laughs> Recently, uh, I, I took a few days and went to hang out with my brother in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, as some of you know, I have a great admiration for a guitar player named Tommy Emanuel. And, and I know you, you think I'm silly and all that, but I don't really care. Uh, I like it. I just I love five, uh, I love what they call fingerstyle guitar playing. Fingerstyle guitar playing is where where the where the the individual playing plays rhythm, bass, and lead at the same time. And I just think that's incredible that they can do that. You know, it's a, like a one man band. So I I really enjoy Tommy Emmanuel. I've gone to see him in Boston and in. in uh, Bill, you and I went over to, all the way to Beverly to watch him in concert. He's a wild man on stage. He's just so much fun to watch. And when I was in Nashville, I, I knew he lived there. I wanted to see him, but I couldn't. he wasn't playing any place that I saw. So I, 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 I went to this place called Third and Lindsley and to watch this other guitar player named Joe Robinson. And I, I, so I go in. I, it's, a not a, it's not a huge place. Maybe it seats 150 people. And I got a table down front and got me a great big bowl of chili it was really great, and uh, and started. And Joe Robinson walks in and starts playing. He's incredible. He's a young young man who did. He won Australia's Got Talent, and he's playing. And, and 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 he stops and goes, "I'm so happy to have my friend and mentor here today, Tommy Emmanuel." And so Tommy Emmanuel comes out and he starts playing. It's just incredible. I'm just I'm just enjoying it. I'm just having a moment, you know. <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting about I'm about ten feet from the stage. And Tommy looks right at me and smiles, and I go, that, you know. <laughs> I believe God put that in us. I believe God put that in us. When, when someone's in their glory, whether it's catching a pass or making a three-point shot or playing a rift on the guitar that's just, just sick, it's so good, you know. I believe God put that in us to, to respond. And it, it's a moment, uh, great entertainers, Great entertainers, whether they mean it or not, I don't know, who knows, they make you feel that they love you, their audience. They make the audience feel that they, that, that they admire them as much as you, uh, the audience admires them. And I don't think it's a totally carnal, unspiritual thing. I think, it's a, I think God put that in us. But it's really, let me say this, hear me please. It's really dysfunctional and soul-shrinking. When you're too cool to do that for Jesus. When you're too cool to publicly give Jesus a fist pump. 
to publicly give him a high five, to publicly point upward for him, to come to church. I don't believe church is a place to be cool. I believe church is a place to recover from a sick world. It's a place to get psychologically healthy. And there's not one psychologist worth his salt that will tell you that being all uptight and, and physically inhibited is psychologically healthy. They will tell you just the opposite. And I understand. I want to give, I want to give the introverts, I want to, I want to give you space. I know, I know for you, lifting a hand this high might just be over the charts. You know, <laughs> go ahead, whatever, whatever. You know, you know how when, when someone, or you think someone's dead and they move their finger and you go, yes, you moved your finger. <laughs> he wiggled his toes. <laughs> so, so for some of you, if you just wiggle your toes, I'm going to be really excited. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just having fun with you, okay? It's just instinctive. When entertainers, athletes, speakers perform to our delight, our hands come together. And they go up in the air. Our mouth speaks simple words and phrases of praise. Let's do that for Jesus. I, I, I want to I read this rather long quote from uh, a pastor named Dr. David Storms, Sam Storms, rather, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City and former president of the Evangelical Theological Association or Society. He said, I lift my hands when I worship because as the beloved of God, I say tenderly and intimately to the lover of my soul, Abba, hold me, protect me, reveal your heart to me. I am yours, you are mine. Draw near, enable me to know and feel the affection in your heart for one, this one sinful soul. For many years, when I kept my hands rigidly in my side or safely tucked away in my pockets, in the pockets of my pants, I knew that no one would take notice of my praise of God or my prayers of desperation. No one would dare mistake me for a fanatic. I fell in, I fell in control, dignified, sophisticated, and above all else, safe. These matter... These matter more to me, please understand. These are not words of condemnation, but confession. I know no one's heart but my own. I judge no one's motive of mine. I'm not telling you how to worship, but simply sharing how I do and why. I'm at the point in my life where I honestly couldn't care less what the immovable evangelical is thinking or the crazy charismatic is feeling. <laughs> What matters to me is that God have my all, my mind, my will, feet, eyes, ears, tongue, heart, affections, and yes, my hands. No, you need not practice the lifting of hands to worship God, but why wouldn't you want to? Dr. Sam Storms. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 is a verse that we haven't considered very much, but I want us to. Paul and Silas had been put in prison. I, I, I think you're all much more comfortable than someone in stocks right now. But listen, listen to what it says. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, they would have had their hands raised, but they were in stocks. <clears throat> and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, think about it. Circle that in your mind. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone, circle this, everyone's chains 
were loosed. Listen, experiencing God in this sanctuary is not all about you. When you pray out loud and sing out loud, everyone's chains are loosed. Think about the grace and mercy of God explained by that principle that without us doing all kinds of works and committing all kinds of sacrifices, just giving Him the praise and and worship He deserves releases His power to set people free in the church and in the sanctuary and in the place. That's why we call it amazing grace. Again, I'm not encouraging weird occultic fanaticism or embarrassing displays of human flesh or something akin to an Appalachian snake handling service. But I need you to know that you can loosen the chains of people around you by actively praising God and with your body language saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Let's stand. And let's not only think about it today, let's do it. And if you haven't crossed the line of faith to become a believer in Jesus, you don't have to walk down front to do that necessarily. You don't even have to repeat a prayer after me to do it. We do that. That's a nice thing. You just have to say yes in your heart. You just have to bow down. You can just raise your hands and say, Jesus, come into my life. And that will do it. Fine. Let's sing together. Let's raise our hands. Let's let's enter into active worship before our Heavenly Father and to the Son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, there's none beside you. There's none beside you. There's none in this world beside you. You are all that we need. Lord, if you're all that we have left, we have enough, oh God, because you're our all-sufficiency. You said in your word that if, the, if we do not praise you, the rocks will cry out. Oh, Father, oh, Father, we do not intend to let rocks out-praise out us today. Oh, Jesus, we lift our hearts to you. We lift our lives to you. Everything we have belongs to you, oh God. You have been nothing but good to us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We've watched the problems that humans have created. Father, we, we exonerate you today. We declare you're without guilt. We declare you're holy. You're holy. You're holy, God. You're holy. God, you're holy. Just tell God that he's holy. Just tell him that he's holy. The seraphims around the throne of God right now, day and night, cry out that God is holy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for opening your word up to us today. I pray that we, we grasp it and we understand it. And I I pray for those who might be here whose hearts are hard. I understand, Lord, I've had a hard heart before. I know what it's like to have my heart get hard because of what I felt life had done to me. So I pray for those people who might be here today whose hearts are hard. 
I know that it, some part of them, they would like for that to change. Let them not be afraid. Let them not be afraid to hand their heart to you so you can give them a soft heart. Lord God, deliver us from a hard heart and give us soft hearts that are open to you, that are, that are pliable and submissive to you. Let us die. Let us, even when we leave here today, let us all day long be praising you under our breath. Let us all day long recover a posture over and over that reflects dependence, vulnerability, affection. In Jesus' name.